0: You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to On a Mother Level. I'm Denise Hanitka and I am glad to be with you for episode 61. Something happened, and I sang a little bit at the beginning of last week's episode, and not a one of you complained. And so, either no one listened, which is entirely possible, or you enjoyed it. And your silence was the way of telling me, Keep it going, Denise. You're doing the right thing. You're on the right track. 2021 is your year. Maybe it's not our year. I don't really know. But I saw a thingy on Instagram, which kind of made me laugh. So I'm just going to share it with you really quick. It says, nobody claimed 2021 as your year. We all walk in real slow. Be good. Be quiet. Don't touch anything. So basically, we're going to treat the new year like a toddler who's walking into grandma's house, you know, and she's got things all set up nicely. And so just, just don't touch anything. Just be good, and then we'll get to go to McDonald's and get a two-cheeseburger meal. That's the dream, isn't it? Hey, a couple fun things for you on this episode today. The first is I interviewed Kim Feeney. She is a therapist who works with children at Butterfly Beginnings Counseling Center in Davenport. And I just wanted to get her take on just how we can start the new year off right with our kids, how to know if maybe they're struggling a little bit more than their peers, especially after a really tough year, and how we can kind of walk them through what is going to be kind of an isolating winter if we stay on this same path. Overall, though, I thought her tone was really positive. I think we really just need to wrap our heads around the fact that our kids are going to be okay and that the way to make that happen is for us to kind of chill a little bit because they're like dogs. They're feeding off of our energy or like sharks. Is it dogs or is it sharks? that's why we have Kim. She's going to clarify these things for us. And then I have some really wonderful news. So a couple episodes ago, you heard from my friend Angie, who is the co-anchor of Good Morning Quad Cities here on WQAD News 8. And she had her baby three days before Christmas. He is a perfect little baby boy named Xander. And so I pop by her house wearing my mask And did a very brief interview for the news so that she could announce her New Arrival, and so you will hear a very, very short clip with Angie. I'm going to tack that on the end of this episode. I hope to have Angie back on this podcast to get the full rundown on how everything went and how she's doing and um, what motherhood's been like for her so far. I hope to have that maybe a little bit later on during her maternity leave. But for now, I'm going to just give you this little, little taste and hear how Angie is doing. So to begin, let's start with Kim from Butterfly Beginnings.
0: My name's Kim Feeney and I'm a licensed independent social worker and a registered play therapist supervisor. I have my master's in social work from the University of Iowa. I've been doing child therapy and play therapy for about the last 10 years and I've owned my practice Butterfly Beginnings for a little over two years now.
1: Fantastic. What made you want to open your own practice?
0: Uh, Just wanting to help as many kids as possible. I love owning and seeing my practice, seeing the kids and the families and the transformations we make. Play
1: therapy, give people an idea of what that entails.
0: Yeah, play therapy is kids that have, you know, emotional and behavioral challenges just coming in and they work out their feelings through play. Uh, Their brain hasn't developed the verbal capabilities that we have as adults to kind of express our feelings verbally. So their communication, their language is play, Um, whether it be the dollhouse or puppets or art or sand. They use all these different expressive tools to... Communicate to me, the therapist, how they're feeling, and then I kind of translate that to the parents and give strategies and advice that they can use at home.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like when we all take a look at our kids' artwork and try to identify whether or not they're a serial killer based on what they have drawn.
0: Exactly. What does this mean? What's the purpose of this? Very much so.
1: But it's interesting, though, that you say play is their form of expression, you know, because I can go to therapy and sit on a couch and say this is what's on my mind today. A kid will express that differently.
0: Absolutely. They'll come in if they're angry and they'll throw a ball against the wall for a few minutes or nurturing. They'll play with a baby doll. Um, You know, if they're feeling excited, they may draw that out through art. It just various expressions through play. Yeah.
1: How, um, how different have the scenarios been for you when you're working with a new family? Are, Is there really that much difference in the way kids are showing their stress now than they were a year ago? Or is it just different stressors altogether, but the reaction is the same?
0: Yeah, it's a lot of different stressors, um, a lot more heightened anxiety, hypervigilance, um, a lot of themes around safety, protection, um, things like that. A lot of kids are, you know, they're angry they can't see their friends and you know that the school situation is different they're frustrated with online school um so some of that is coming out in the playroom okay yeah, a lot of different stressors but they're the way the kids are expressing them are still the same
1: Okay. In doing a little research for our conversation, um, a couple of things stood out to me, and you can tell me if this is right on or not. But one article that I think might might be helpful is this, if this is true, it talked about the different ways that kids are expressing their stress mm-hmm. based on their different ages. So it said that if they're Five and under, it's most likely to come through their sleep. They're having sleep disruptions. That six to 10 range, it's more like headaches, stomach aches, complaining about that sort of thing. And then when you get into the teenage category, it's more like they're maybe turning inward, showing more signs of depression. Does stress appear in different ways based on age like that?
0: I would absolutely say that what I have seen throughout my decade of experience does follow that pattern. That um, you're going to have a lot of sleep, to sleep and appetite disruptions in your younger ones because um, their routines are going to be off. Um, they're not going to, again, they don't have those verbal abilities, so they're going to express those stresses in different ways. It's going to be a lot more outward in your, yeah, your like early elementary school kids. Um, you know, they're going to have heightened and more physical symptoms, um, more stomach aches, headaches, things like that. Um, outward expression. And then your teens are going to isolate more. They're going to withdraw and they're going to, yeah, go into their own worlds.
1: I'm a fairly new parent. My oldest is four years old. You always want to find the reason for that, you know? So if he, if Abram starts having a, a strange night of sleep, I just automatically assume he's just, you know, wants some attention or, you know, doesn't want to be in bed. It's like, how do I know the difference between, you know, something that might need to be addressed versus, you know, just something silly like mad that you had to go to bed without watching a show.
0: We all have our bad days. So we're going to have those times where like for your child, they don't sleep correctly or, you know, they're going to be a little off. Um, I would say the issues come in when it happens over and over again, when there's a pattern when either the sleep disruptions are more frequent or they're longer in duration or like your outbursts of emotion. I had a four-year-old who came in with me to see me and he was having emotional outbursts daily. Um, He was having issues at daycare that again became more frequent. So the parents brought him to me. We worked with some regulation strategies that he could use at school and at home. And then, you know, the symptoms, decreased. He learned how to control his emotions and manage his emotions a lot better.
1: Is it fairly easy for you to see, like, do you see just a lot of textbook stuff that, that parents just aren't, you know, as educated to know what, the, what all these signs mean?
0: I do. And I do work with the parents closely. I would say once a month, we just had like a parent consultation where I give them practical strategies that they can use at home. You know, we believe that every behavior is communicating something. So your kid is always trying to tell you what they need. It's just a matter of figuring out their language. Again, being that translator. And that's where I come in or another professional would come in and just help the parents to read the kid's behavior.
1: It's this whole point of time that we're in is so fascinating because most of the time you and I don't know how to handle ourselves properly or how to manage our emotions because this is all new for us too. So it definitely is a little bit the blind leading the
0: blind. Very much so. And I think that's why we're seeing increased dysregulation in our children because we have mirror neurons. So the kids and whoever, you're going to pick up on the stress and anxiety of the people around you. So you're stuck in a house for months with people that have heightened anxiety, your anxiety obviously then is going to get heightened. As hard as it is right now, the more regulated the parents can be, especially around the kiddos, that's going to calm their nervous systems down as well.
1: Yeah, I com- yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and I bet you there's a lot of people wondering, especially as this pandemic continues to go on, how do you talk to your kids about what is going on? And how do you explain to them why nothing is the way that they've come to expect things to be?
0: I think being as honest as you can um, while maintaining developmentally appropriate language for your kiddos, that there's a virus going around, a lot of people are sick, and we want to stay safe at home. That's a good way way to talk to younger kids. Um, You know, older kids, you may get into some more of the science and things behind it, Um, depending on their interest too. Like if they're really interested in science, you know, have them do research, delve into things like that. Uh, you know, and then just do spontaneous ways to connect with your kids. Have a dance party in the kitchen while you're making dinner or um, cuddle up on the couch and read books at night. There's so many ways just to connect with our kids. And that connection is what's really going to get us through this time.
1: It feels like my go-to, especially since my kids are so young, I feel like my gut tells me just like downplay, totally downplay. It's like, how do you balance being honest about the situation versus ramping up the anxieties for them.
0: It's really a fine line. Uh, I wouldn't give them more than they need to know. I would say, you know, things are going to be different at school and at home. We have to wear like masks when we go out to keep everybody safe. Um, and then, yeah, just keep it in their language protection, safety. We don't want to get people sick. We don't want to get sick ourselves. You know, they may ask, why can't we see grandma and grandpa? Well, we want grandma and grandpa to not get sick. And we want grandma and grandpa to stay safe. So again, right. all in their language.
1: I think that's so hard to figure out what that fine line is, but you're right. It's like, what, what is their interest level in it? And and maybe why are they asking it? And it's yeah. like reading, reading what it is that they really want to know versus what they need to know, you know?
0: Absolutely. Is it, you know, are they looking for a connection? Are they looking for attention? Are they looking to gain some power back? Um, you know, give them power in different ways, like let them choose what they're going to have for dinner or what they're going to wear that day versus, you know, the power that they used to have to like go out and play or be with their friends. You know, we're all looking for ways to supplement what we've lost.
1: Yes. So much. I think that kids have lost is routine for one. Um, But then that connection with other kids and, you know, it's just not the same over a screen. And then now we're going into winter in the Midwest where we're not going to feel good about the outdoor play quite as much as we did before. What are some things we can do to help our kids connect outside of the people in their immediate household?
0: Yeah. I know it's not the same over the screen, especially like I've done some telehealth sessions and yeah, you don't have the same connection with the people, but You can schedule like Zoom playdates. If you can, if the weather is nice, get outside as much as possible. All those are good options. And just maintain the connections with the kids. Have them email, have them write a letter, send a card to somebody, make it fun, a craft. Record a video of you saying hi to a friend or a family member and email that to them or text it to them. Get creative with the technology that we do have.
1: Sometimes I think about what this would have been like when I was a kid and what you would have done and how you would have felt because we were even more disconnected then. You know, your world was the girl who lived next door. And it's almost like like summer break. You know, when we, were, when we had summer break as kids, we didn't do anything other than hang out with the kids in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we would have been better equipped to handle it back then.
0: <laughs> yeah, because we didn't have the Yeah, the far-reaching connections that kids do now. And in some ways, they have an advantage because they can connect through technology, whereas back then, we wouldn't have had those opportunities.
1: Are you seeing some more of these stressors that would traditionally, or the stress reactions that would traditionally be seen in older kids, kind of trickle down more into younger kids experiencing like more adult emotions than before?
0: I am, especially anxiety and stress. And kids are worried. They're worried about their parents who are first responders going in and getting sick. They're worried about, you know, their friends that they don't get to see. They're worried about, like I said, grandma and grandpa. All those compound anxieties and worries that we have, um, our kids are getting, are fearing those kind of things too. And again, then the symptoms, the sleep disruption, the physical symptoms, even the withdrawing and isolating is happening in younger kids now more. Um, Some of it's because we are stuck inside, so they're just, they're feeling disconnected, but some of it is they're internalizing the symptoms versus externalizing them as well.
1: Does that worry you that younger and younger kids are dealing with anxiety? I mean, I just, when you think about what what you want for your kids, you don't want your five-year-old to feel anxious. That's upsetting.
0: It is very upsetting. And unfortunately, we just need to, you know, control what we can control. And you know, pass that on to our kids, you know, we can only control so much. Um, but that's why, we, like I said, ways to give them that power back and some of that control, you know, makes them feel a little less anxious.
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, I can't remember a, a specific scenario, but but I remember explaining to my husband, you know, like so few of their decisions – and their the way their day goes is theirs. And, you know, it's like how, like even picking the TV show is like such an empowering moment for a little kid, which you don't think about it that way.
0: Absolutely. That's why in every little way possible, if you can give them a choice or let them do something for themselves, you know, that that's very empowering. Um, you know, if they can get a glass of juice by themselves and let them, go ahead and let them, let them try, you know, they spill, we can clean it up. That's not the end of the world. Um, you know, like I said, let them choose what they're going to wear, or what TV show they're going to watch, or if they want to do math or reading first. You know, even little decisions like that is going to give them a lot more power and control back.
1: You know, I think it's been going on for a little while, but we've been wondering what the trade offs are of keeping kids out of school. You know, because it's like every decision there's always an alternative that you had to give up and. How do you look at it? How do, you, how do you see the benefits of keeping people healthy and being worried about, you know, elder caregivers at the home versus all of these mental health side effects that come from kids being at home?
0: It's that fine line that we are walking, you know, and I think there are going to be some mental health side effects, especially um, in households where, you know, you have things like addiction, abuse. You know, those are the kids that, I worry about a lot, the kids that are stuck at home and then they have such traumatic home lives already. Your kids that are resilient, that have parents that are going to be empathetic, compassionate, those kids are going to come out okay. Unfortunately, the kids that already have the deck stacked against them are going to need a little more support and care.
1: Yeah, I think that is a scary thing to think about.
0: Absolutely. And then because they're not around like your teachers, your mandatory reporters, on a day-to-day basis. Um, so then, unfortunately, those issues are gonna ramp up. So um, the more we can reach out to those families that we know have struggles, um, whether it is you know a Zoom call, a phone call, an email, anytime we can touch base with those families and kiddos just to say, hey, somebody is here to help and support, I think that's a benefit.
1: What are your thoughts on, you know, there was so much conversation about screen time and make sure your kids don't get too much screen time. Well, their whole education right now is screen time. So what are your thoughts on the long-term impact of screens on kids right now?
0: Screens are definitely a daily thing for our kids. Um, That's how they're doing their education, their socialization, Um, sometimes spiritual you know activities, church and stuff are on screens. That's become our whole world. Um, I think the more outside screen activities we can get, whether it be a board game or time outside or just a family dinner, a meal without screens, those kind of times are going to benefit our kids and try to implement those in the day as much as possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you ever get that thing on your on your tablet every week that tells you you had five hours a day of screen time, and you're like, oh god, (laughs)
0: like where did my time go? Absolutely, I do that all the time.
1: I'm curious what the concept of group therapy is all about. I was reading that a little bit on your website, so it's not a one-on-one situation. It's how many kids do you usually have?
0: I would say between six to eight kids in each group, and they get to learn from the benefits of other kids. They all come in, they bring in their struggles. And the thing about group therapy that makes it so unique is that the therapist can give real-time feedback. If the kids are struggling with social skills or social anxiety or anything like that, we can help them and coach them in that moment and give them like direct feedback versus individually when they come in and they say, you know, I got in a fight with my friend this week. So that's where the benefits of group therapy come in. You can learn from each other, plus you get that immediate feedback.
1: What is the ideal kid um, that would be benefiting from group therapy versus the one-on-one situation?
0: It's going to be those kids that are struggling more in the social situations. Um, Your ADHD kids that have trouble focusing um, because then, you know, with six to eight kids around you, you are going to, again, have those focusing issues and you can get the immediate coaching. Um, Any sort of anxiety or Social, like I said, social skills, anger management skills, because again, you're going to get frustrated and angry in a group and can get that immediate feedback. So anything where the social impact will bring out those symptoms, group therapy can benefit.
1: Yeah, it almost seems like it's a way for you to really learn more about that child Mm -hmm. and you're really observing them in their natural habitat.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I get a lot of insight watching the kids in the groups and interacting with other peers. Absolutely.
1: Even when the kids are strangers and don't really know each other, they can, they can interact well?
0: Yeah, and they form lasting connections because they have um, been vulnerable enough to share their experiences. You know, and again, we do it through art, through play. Um, you know, we do puppet shows as a group. We do art projects as a group. Um, and they really bond with the other kids that they may not have known six, eight weeks ago.
1: Hmm, That's so interesting. I'm wondering if we're going to actually raise a generation of kids that's taking the stigma away from therapy and, you know, having maybe a healthier view of it. Because I think, you know, even, even for parents my age, we're going, oh, I don't want my kid to be in therapy. I don't want to have the therapy kid. But it doesn't have to be like that.
0: Yeah. I'm really hoping this generation will be different. With the inclusion of therapists and counselors in schools and doing mental health lessons and social emotional classes. It's just going to be, you know, something natural that we learn about. We learn about our emotions. We learn how to cope with things. It's just, you know, one more thing that we need to learn about.
1: Are there any versions of play therapy that parents can do at home without any training and master's degrees? And
0: Absolutely. I have a couple YouTube videos, one on just how to reflect feelings and how to model that to your child. And then one on exactly how to have special playtime with your child. And it gives the list of the toys that's, you know, would be recommended. And again, you can get garage sale things. It doesn't have to be brand new toys and then how to structure that time, you know, and it can just be like 15 minutes a week where it's just special playtime with you and your kid. Okay. The thing that is important for parents to know is just modeling emotion regulation in yourself is going to go so far to your child learning that. Um, The more we model and even narrate our emotions, you know, I'm really frustrated. I'm going to go outside and take a breath and calm myself down, and then I'll come in and I'll deal with this problem. Or, you know, let's work on this as a team to figure this out. Just modeling and narrating what our thoughts are is going to help their self-talk and help them um, navigate that emotional space.
1: Yeah. Narrating. That's an interesting concept because you're, you're almost talking yourself through it too, which it kind of keeps you in check if you're doing it that way.
0: Absolutely. It helps, you know, I do it with my nieces and nephews. I narrate how I'm feeling so they can, you know, again, model and see how it works. And that again, it builds that verbal capacity. It builds the emotion vocabulary. It builds the coping skills and it, you know, kind of naturalizes and normalizes all the emotions, you know, Sometimes kids don't realize all emotions are okay. The problem with the feelings is sometimes how we deal with it. We deal with it in the wrong method or the choice that we make is not the best. But Mm -hmm. the feeling itself is not the problem. The feeling is okay.
1: Well, particularly with little boys, we don't do as good of a job talking to them about identifying feelings and then they grow up and become... Men who can't identify their
0: feelings. <laughs> right. And the more, again, that we are verbalizing our feelings, we're going to teach them that it's okay. And feelings aren't anything to shy away from, that they're a natural part of our experience and they can be healthy. And communication about feelings is going to be key to some relationships.
1: Is there some common themes that you hear from a lot of parents right now? And like that one piece of advice that, that seems to make everybody feel a little bit better?
0: Uh, right now, a lot of people, I would say, are either anxious or frustrated with the situation. I think just bringing those moments of connection is going to help regulate the parent as well as the kid. So finding those moments of fun, making Christmas cookies, having a dance party, doing karaoke, r- again, reading books, doing a craft together, any time that you can connect. We have the same connection before correction. So again, the connection is going to solve the problem more than the correction is. And okay. it's going to be a, a longer lasting solution to the problem, the connection is. Where the correction may be just a one-time thing, that connection will solve the problem forever.
1: Okay. And do you believe in like the concept of New Year's resolutions for kids or like goal setting for the year ahead? What's a, what's a good way to go about that with your kids?
0: We definitely work on goal setting in therapy. Um, You know, kids have, you know, I want to decrease my aggression, or I want to work on my anger management skills, or even just self-care I talk to kids about, because that's so important. How do you take care of yourself and your body and your emotions? So I think setting those realistic goals, I don't know New Year's resolution type thing, but just goal setting and having something that, you know, that is reachable, that's attainable for the kids, that's in their language that they can understand, um, regarding emotions, um, whether it be I want to develop a gratitude practice where every day I talk about three things I'm grateful for, or every day I want to write down how I'm feeling at bedtime so I can see if there's a pattern. Any little thing like that the kids can do.
1: Any questions that parents can ask themselves, or or little ch- or little checkbox of like my child might benefit from therapy if
0: if they are having a difficult time regulating their emotions. On a frequent basis, every kid is going to have that tantrum in the middle of the store. <laughs> that's just part of being a kid. But if it's every time you go to the store or every time you tell them no, or every time you take the tablet away, that's when a problem might be developing. Gotcha. Then again, on the inward side, you know, if they are isolating all the time or if they're sad or crying at the drop of a hat, then you can come in and get some help too.
1: What do you like about working with kids?
0: I love seeing their faces when they get it, when they figure out the solution to a problem or, you know, that their, the behavior is changing for the positive, just seeing that transformation and their, the the light in their eyes, the smile on their face. It just gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling.
1: It's so different, I'm sure, than working with adults.
0: It is. Adults, again, we're more verbal, we're more talkative. um, And it, Takes us a while. We've got a lot more history than some of these little kiddos to unpack. So the kids sometimes have a quick turnaround and that's a delight to see as well.
1: Where can people find you if they want to reach out to you?
0: Um, You can go to my website, butterflybeginningscounseling.com and there's links to all our Facebook stuff, our YouTube stuff. Um, You can email me if you'd like to schedule an appointment. Um, Yeah, that'd be the best place. All right, cool. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? I think I'm good, but thank you so much. This has been very enjoyable.
1: Oh, excellent. Thank you very much. Lots of great takeaways from Kim. So thank you so much to her from Butterfly Beginnings for giving us a little guide as we head into 2021. Okay, now for my interview with Angie Sharp, brand new mom, just had her baby this week. So um, a quick conversation about how everything's going so far.
2: Oh, how we got the name Sander. Well, we knew that we wanted to maybe play on the Z's because we've got Zach and we've got Zuno, and so we thought, why not for our first son to be a Z name too? Um, Xander is actually the name of a pro golfer that we both really, really like, but he spells it with an X, and so we decided to spell it with a Z. Um, I think we found out later that it, like Xander means the God of all men. I don't know what is it. Yes, I think we found out later. Yeah, I think we found out later that Xander means uh, the defender of men something along lines of like Alexander the Great or something like that. We didn't really think about meaning or anything. We just thought that Zach, Zuno, Xander had a really nice ring to it. So now it's A and the Z's, the three Z's. The boys club, you know, the boys are outnumbering the girls in this household, that's for sure. But his middle name is Mitchum, which is my maiden name. And so I thought that that'd be a nice way to kind of honor my side. And then um, with Xander being with a Z, His initials are ZMS, which are Zach's initials. So it's the same initials as Zach. So it's not necessarily Zach Jr., but they get to still share the same initials and carry that on for the next generation. So just a couple of things there that make him very, very special. Oh, his stats, okay. So we got an eight-pounder here, an eight-pounder stretching out at 19 inches. And uh, Xander was born breech, and so he's got these awesome frog legs as we've been calling them. Uh, He was born in like a pike position. And so uh, his legs kept bouncing back up to his ears, his ankles up to his ears when he was born. Um, But he's starting to stretch out here and I think he's gonna be just like dad, tall and skinny and very, very handsome.
1: What can you say about the day that he was born?
2: (laughs) Um, Only that, you know, of course, it was the middle of the night, right? Of course, it was the middle of the night that I woke Zach up and said, we got to go. we <laughs> like, it is time. And he said, really? And I go, I, I had my little notepad out and I'd been timing out my contractions. And even as I was doing that and they were coming every four to five minutes, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is it. This is what it's all because you don't know when you're a first time mom, you don't really know what it's going to feel like or what it's going to expect. But I was like, this isn't contractions. I don't know <laughs> what is. So uh, yeah, woke him up and we're driving over the new I-74 bridge at 3 a.m. with Zuno in the back seat, getting ready to be dropped off at grandma and grandpa's. And we walked into the hospital emergency room, Unity Point Health Trinity Bettendorf. They were absolutely wonderful to us. About five hours later, we had our son.
1: Can you remember what your feelings were like when you first looked at him?
2: I've waited for you for so long, and I'm so glad you're here, and that you're healthy. Yeah.
1: It's pretty incredible. Yeah,
2: simple as that. Simple as that. That I was just like, you're here. You're here. You know, it's just been, been a journey to get to this point, but I think that the timing is just perfect. The timing is just perfect for him to be entering our lives in this way, in this year. Yeah, he's, he's perfect.
1: What's been the best part so far? Maybe most unexpected part for you?
2: <laughs> I still am trying to wrap my mind around the fact that I was able to get pregnant. And then I'm still wrapping my mind around the fact that I grew a human inside of me for nine months. And I'm still wrapping my mind around the fact that Zach and I made this and this came out of my body, (laughs) you know, like, I just think that it's just such an incredible thing, the whole entire process. And so every time I look at him, I'm just like amazed that this is how it goes down, right? Like it wasn't a stork, you know, and he's here and he's both of us and I totally see it, you know? Like, this is our sun. It's incredible. Just what an incredible, incredible thing that happens in life, right? It's mind-blowing.
1: Well, and already there's so many well wishes and congratulations on Facebook.
2: A lot of people were watching for your <laughs> to come
1: through. Anything that you want to say yeah. to everybody who's rooted for you all oh, these
2: months? Gosh, I mean our viewers are the absolute best. They really are. We've received such beautiful gifts from them. Um, and just, of course, all the love and support. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, bless you. Bless you, child. (laughs) And, And, um, they've just been great. You know, like, I think that, um, when we made the announcement, everyone was like, this is the news we needed for 2020. And, um, I get it, you know, I totally, totally get it. Um, but I really appreciate everybody being so excited about, uh, us having a child and wanting to be very involved in the process and things like that so uh, we are so excited to be able to announce publicly that this is our son Xander Mitchum Sharp and that we are doing great and that uh, he is the newest member of the WQAD family he's got his little relax my mom's a news anchor onesie on today just to prove it and uh, to let our viewers know don't worry I'll be back in a couple months but this is my number one priority right now, for sure. I cannot wait to watch him grow over the next three months and just savor every single moment of this time as our family of four. Every single day, I've been reporting on this pandemic and how hard it's been for our country, for our community, Um, having to report on the number of people infected and the number of people who have died from this virus all while growing a life inside of me. What, how, how interesting, right? Um, And I would just say that I'm a very optimistic kind of person, always looking at silver linings. And um, I think that in 2020, we have forgotten that new lives are coming into the world as well. And this is one of them. And I hope that it gives people um, hope and grace and faith for our future.
1: Angie just has such a beautiful way of expressing herself and reflecting on something as monumental as bringing your son into the world, especially when your head is so foggy and so overwhelmed by the things that have happened to you just in the days after giving birth. So I appreciate that conversation with her and I'm so glad that I got to meet him safely. Um, cause you know, there are a lot of worries and things like that, but I promise you that we did everything we could and, um, Angie was comfortable in having just me, um, in a mask as her guest to just do that very brief interview. So, um, also, did you notice you could hear little Xander hiccuping in the background of that whole interview? So I thought that was very sweet and funny and cute and swear he did not cry one time in the two hours that I was there. So um all our best to you angie all our love to you and um pretty soon on the podcast i'm going to introduce you to jillian who will be filling in for angie on good morning quad cities and she has such a fascinating story of her own um and i'm so glad that i got to meet her so she'll be coming up here on the podcast and as we go into 2021 please send me a message on instagram at onamotherlevel and let me know if you have a mom friend Somebody who's funny or interesting or intriguing or all of the above who'd make a wonderful guest. I would love to feature them wherever they are in the country and in the world um, to share more stories of more moms, especially since the world of Zoom has opened up the ability to have more conversations. So Instagram at onamotherlevel. I appreciate all the new follows. And please share this episode with a friend. Let somebody know that we're here who might be looking for a mom community who can relate. We are all on a mother level, and I hope you have a great start of a brand new year. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.